What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the RBC Heritage. Yes, maybe some of you have a little bit of a major championship hangover. Certainly, we know some golfers do, as they've already told us. And Drew and I are going to break down who we think doesn't have any hangover, who we're going to play this week, and maybe just a little bit, a couple of minutes on my experience going to the Masters. I won the lottery, the ticket lottery, or I should say my wife did. There's a little tidbit for you all. I started entering or my wife started entering like five years ago and hey, it paid off. So maybe have your wife enter or switch up. If your wife's been entering, switch to you. We try everything in this time at one, Drew. And I got to tell you, it was, uh, it blew away my expectations, truthfully. And some yeah. people may think that it's like a once in a lifetime experience. And maybe for some it is. For me, it just made me want to go more. Truthfully, um, I want to go back. I want to go during a tournament day. You know, I got all the pictures I needed. Now I got to go back during a tournament day because the roars that I was hearing just on a practice day, uh, I blew Valspar or the Arnold Palmer out of the water. I got to be honest. Yeah, honestly, the, the practice round might be the best because you can take in a camera. So what you can't do during the tournament. So there's there's some pros and cons there for sure. But yeah, just going to see the course is pretty cool. Yeah, which is crazy to me that you, you know, theoretically, you can't have any pictures from the day of the tournament unless you find a media person willing to take a picture of you pretty much. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's still wild. I mean, they have like, pay, they have not pay phones, they're just free phones, but they have phones around the property, which people may not, I'm sure you, you may have saw, may, may not have, but that's how it was for me. So like the only way you could get in contact with people, which wouldn't even be inside <laughs> the gate, like how are you going to call another phone? But um, there are phones inside the property where you would call for a taxi or an Uber or something like that. So it's just weird, you know, if you didn't park there. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll That's say right. this, like, you know, as as most people know that listen to this or follow me on Twitter uh, and, and you're 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 uh, maybe a little bit along the wavelength of me, but maybe not as a fanatical as me as going to Disney World. And I equate this to the the theme park of all theme parks for golf courses. Right. So when you go yeah. to the bathroom. It's not like a porta potty, like you get at the Valspar. Like it's a really nice facility. The line moves. There's attendants like working at it, and yeah, um, each one there's a there's a, a you know a concession stand at like every three holes. That um, if you go to the right ones, you don't even realize how much property is on there on TV. That's one thing you told me. You you can't believe how big this yeah. facility is in there. You know, for me, it does. It feels like, you know, Magic Kingdom. You're going in, everything's incredibly clean, and uh, the food is incredibly good. And, uh, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a great overall experience. If you're a golf fan, again, I recommend putting the money, you know, putting the time into the lottery. You never know what will happen. And for me next time, yeah, definitely going to try and rent a house with a bunch of people and, and go to at least one tournament day. Uh, so I might be tagging you in for that experience, True, Absolutely. Uh, you know, because it is it is uh, truly amazing. You have some similar thoughts and feelings uh, when you went as well. Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, I think the how big how big it is is kind of under under uh, appreciated. Like when you walk through the gates, you're walking into like the the practice area and like the common area for their buildings and accounting and technical stuff, whatever it is. And then yeah, all that and you're like, what is yeah. this? Where is this on television? And you then know? you walk through the actual gates to the course and it's just so mad. Like, it's just like a roller coaster. Like you walk, as soon as you walk through the gates, like down, going down to one and nine, like just looking down, it's just, it's huge. So it's yep. such a cool, everything's designed just perfectly. I mean, it's, it really is. And um, 
I don't know. It's just like when we went, we had they had bad rain, so they were using the sub air, so it was kind of loud, and they were pumping water out. Um, so that would probably be the only bad part of our experience was, and all the water sits out like on the walkways, which was kind of funny. Like the fairways and greens are perfect, but where we walked as spectators, it was nasty, grimy, yeah, muddy. Um, you got to treads out. Yeah. So, so that was the only bad part for us, but still the experience and seeing everything, it's just it's really cool, and I I think. I mean, like seeing 18 was cool because you you see that picture so much, so much of people walking up. But like, there's so many other holes there that are amazing. Um, and like the walk up to nine, like it's such a huge, huge, such a huge climb. Just so much of it. Um, I think the one hole we didn't go actually go out to see, or I walked backwards on, was eight, um, which I'd be interested. We saw the tee shot because you walk right past it to all the you other holes. Right past it, you walk. Yeah, but actually, the tee shot you maybe see the most exactly yes yeah for sure and yeah. um it's it's pretty cool but then like going back to eight and then the nine tee shot i don't i didn't see i don't think so but yeah it's just it's just a cool experience and it's like you said it's not like any other tournament on tour i mean it's very everything's very formal everything is so organized um like you go to any other tournament and they're trying to make it somewhat like a party like they want you to go there and have fun and drink and eat and all that stuff and they want you to do that at the masters but there's so much more that's why there's no phones. It's like you go there and you're just there to yeah, enjoy the course golf. and watch some golfers. And that's yeah. really it. You're in a golf bubble. Most of the people there are golf fanatics or mm-hmm. getting into golf. You know, it's it's a great atmosphere. It, it really is. And what's funny is for most people, I mean, I don't I don't know the numbers, so I'm just you know, talking out of my ass. But I, I bet the majority of people that are there whenever you go are probably first timers that like they have they're having the same experience you are. Like I know a lot of people get tickets every year, especially if you're from that area, but I bet a lot of people that go there. And again, I don't know the numbers, but are going through the exact same thing. So it's kind of funny that everyone that goes to the masters, you know, will just you know, ballpark it. 70% are like, this is amazing. This is our first time. And it's just jaw dropping. Yeah, it really is. The, the, uh, the pro shop bill for me uh, was uh, into the four figures. Uh, yeah, I, not hard to I do. Expect, <laughs> uh, I expect I was actually maybe slightly under the average. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. It's very interesting, but it, it is unbelievable that a, a community, a, a city of Augusta is legitimately built around one event that happens yep. for seven days out of the year, and they're able to facilitate it. I mean, truthfully, I know it's not great, on non-tournament weeks and whatnot, but uh, that one week it is uh, the Super Bowl in that uh, area, and it is truly incredible. And as far as the tournament goes, uh, we got a pretty good one, all intense. It was it was kind of difficult, obviously, with the weather delays that came up, but we got the Live versus PGA Tour. The ratings took off because of that. Yeah, you know, one reason, you know, full swing coming in obviously is bringing more fans in, but up twenty percent year over year, and. You know, that type of return, you can't get many places right now, Drew. So uh, happy to see where this is going on the PGA Tour um, or for professional golf in general. You know, I, I really wish that the Live Tour went about this so differently. If they had just kind of gone in and basically bought the DP World Tour and, and, and kind of just took what they were already doing on the DP World Tour and just put more money into it and maybe took some PGA Tour players, we could have like a Western Conference versus Eastern Conference kind of thing. But because they did it so spitefully, uh, it, it, we won't get that. But we will get it at the four majors. And it was really cool to yeah. see. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think I just think they have a different vision. I mean, I think they really are trying to push the team thing, whether that works or not. But I think, like, because we know the owners are invested in soccer and in F1, 
yep. that they're they really do think the model for franchises is the way to do it. Yeah. So I don't think DP World Tour was probably ever even on their mind. Um, maybe as like a sponsor to get some feeder players, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it did make I it a lot more fun. Tour, I guess, I guess, was my point is like ah, they didn't. If they were going that route, I wish they had just gone for the DP World Tour and use play the long game. Play here. the long game at least. Yeah. Like yeah, take exactly. the DP World Tour and then say, hey, this year we're going to spice it up and create teams, and everyone's going to draft their teams before the yep. season we, and we like sign just make it these, fun. Yeah, we've signed these twelve golfers from the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour, and they're going to draft their own golfers. Here's the pool of players that you know are are in our market and that way they probably automatically get OWGR points and it's not spiteful against the PGA because it's not really messing with what they're doing except for what 10 golfers or or what mm-hmm. have you um which you know again uh we're seeing people get over if if you've been relatively coy about it it seems like people don't care about Brooks Kepka anymore Harold Varner certainly um but uh there is still some hatred towards some of the guys that have maybe been more outspoken or uh have uh, said the wrong things in their press conferences like Mickelson or Reed. Certainly uh, not a ton of support going that way um, still. Um, any thoughts there before we move on to the RBC? I know typically Drew and I jump right in, but because it was Masters last week and I had a couple things to say about going, we're, we're taking a little longer, but don't worry. RBC yeah, so right after. Yeah, the only thoughts I got is I, I actually really enjoyed, I think I think the right winner won with Ron yeah. winning. And it's, it's pr- pretty amazing that he four-putted the first green um, and then went on to win. It's crazy. Yeah, not not only went on to win, he, he still shot seven under with a four put on the first hole, which is which is right. insane. Um, you know, Hovland got off to a good start, so like the the leaderboard was great. And I do think, like, I'm not a big Phil fan, never never was. Um, his social media got pretty good a couple of years ago, so got to like him a little bit more, but never really liked Phil Mickelson. And then on Sunday. I was actually rooting for him to win. Like for for all the people that hate live and talk back, you know, talk bad on on live, which I'm not citing one way or another. Yeah, the fact that he would come in after being basically shunned from the golf media and then saying none of these guys can compete, and then Brooks had a chance, um, but for Phil to come back and almost win, like that would have been icing on the cake. Oh. It just would have imploded everybody, uh, all the golf channel guys. <laughs> It just yeah, it, it would have been mayhem, and I would have loved it. Mayhem. Uh, it Sunday got special for a little while. Not gonna lie, I love Sunday at Augusta. It's nothing like it. When Mickelson buried that putt after Spieth made bogey, it yeah. went, it sink my heart a little bit. Only because if Rom rinses one out a couple of holes, I mean, it's in play to obviously post and win a number or post and get a playoff. So. But he was only ten under at the time, I think. When yeah, he, he posted eight. It was within the so, uh, all right, yeah, let's move on to the RBC now. Yeah, let's do it. The time. Uh, it is a fabulous course to move on to. Obviously, a difficult time in the schedule. Kind of hope that maybe they throw in a Texas event after the Masters next year and then go back to RBC because I'd love to see it keep the elevated status. It's a really great course, but uh, clearly there's some fatigue out there. What do you see about the course that you like? I know I saw a tweet earlier this week um, where you saw some good stats. Uh, and what do you think the – the player's overall attitude is going to be how much you accounting in your lineup making. Yeah. So I think that's really the the question this week is which of the guys, which of the top guys, I mean, we've never seen a field this strong on this course and this is not a, you know, a normal PGA tour course where all these guys, I mean, maybe just the strength of their games will carry them. Like we saw last year with Spieth and Cantley and Cameron Young, but it's really difficult for me to feel like, 
like I, I just still feel like a, a winner could come from the mid range um, with how this course is set up. It's, it's really weird. So I don't know if you want to talk about the course first and so we can talk about, you know, like some of the stuff I tweeted out for, for stats, but I think that opens up this course to be wide open mm-hmm. where the distance obviously doesn't matter. Um, approach game does scrambling does, and it just makes it a little bit more volatile. So, I mean, shout out to speed for winning it last year, but I struggle to see, like the top 10 guys in pricing to all finish, you know, in the top 20. Um, yeah. It just, it just feels like it's more wide open because of the way the course is laid out. So I think, I think we can start there with the golf course. Cause I think there's a unique, my, I have a unique perspective on how I'm trying to think through guys that have won done well here in the past Yeah, and how, you know, and why that kind of evens out the field just a bit. So obviously with um, I'll pull up the last, the last few winners. So obviously Spieth winning last year, Part of that, if you just think through, just think Stewart. through like the profile of these, you got Stuart yeah. Sink, Webb Simpson, CT Pan, Satoshi Kodaira, I mean, Leslie Bryan, Brandon Grace, Jim Furyk, Matt Kuchar, Graham McDowell. Nothing. So like in the last yeah. 10 years, it's just, it's basically just who can hit it straight and who hits their irons accurate. Yeah. Uh, who really can scramble that. and make some putts. So again, the fields have not been this strong during those years, but you can still right. see the profile fits up, uh, I mean, across every single person there. CT Pan, Kodaira. I mean, Webb Simpson, Brandon Grace is longer compared to those players. Furyk's definitely not. Kuchar's definitely not. So it's it's interesting. So when I looked at the numbers, and we'll talk through the approaches, like the big thing I tweeted out, and you, I think you agree, is there's a lot of shots from 175 to 200 and just more yeah. broadly 150 to 200. Yeah. Um, exactly. and, and why is that? Because the course is only 71, 91, I think, is the yardage. Number but one. If you look, yeah, so like if you look at the actual course and how they play it, this driving accuracy number on this course is actually higher than the tour average. But the caveat is it's about 15 to 20 yards less driving distance wise um, than the tour average. So what does that tell me? It means that guys don't care about hitting driver. You know, they're not going to need to hit drivers. They're going to prioritize hitting the fairways and you can't. Yeah, exactly. But that's my point is looking at the driving accuracy number, people would probably say this is a tough driving course. And then they would pull up the driving accuracy number and say, well, it's easier to hit fairways. Yeah. But they're also hitting it 20 yards shorter. Sure. So they're, they're, they're hitting hybrids and three woods on par fives. Off so, the tee, like, so do you think, so here's the thing. We know that some of these quote unquote, let's call them bombers. Sure. You know, when they have to tailor down, sometimes it can help their game, especially if their iron play is on, Right. So Tim Young coming third here last year, right? And you and I, I think, agree that he probably, when he full throttles it, is is one of the top three or four or five longest on tour. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he didn't have to full throttle it, I don't think. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> it just yeah, it's, yeah, it's, cranks it's it. untapped uh, power potential. Yeah. Do you, you think that this week we'll see the best players get there that are that are in form? Like, I think Cam Young is in form right now. I think Cantlay, based on his iron play last week, is really close. Xander Schauffele is right there. And then if Morikawa, you know, feels like having a good putting week, I think we could see all, all of those four guys in the top 15 or 20 this yeah. year, um, given given where they're playing. So I know that the looking at past winners is really tough because we've never had this type of field, right? Even during COVID, it wasn't it wasn't all of the guys. It was maybe 10 of them. You know, Webb yeah. Simpson was good back then. Dan Berger was good back then. You know, Fleetwood uh, play. Yeah. So you think the cream will rise to the top or do you think we've got a chance at some, maybe more of these plotters that hit a ton of fairways like Justin saw Aaron Rye. You think these guys can go out and compete this week? 
I do. I, I mean, I think it just levels the playing field a bit because off the tee advantage goes down. Um, yeah, goes so down. I think, I think the skill level is there for the top guys, obviously. And, and to your point, yes, if Cameron Young doesn't hit a single driver on any day, he probably still has shorter, potentially shorter clubs in for his yeah. second shot than anyone else in the field. Right. Um, He's hit, you know, seven iron or eight iron from 180, and, and you yeah. know, McCarthy's still hitting a six iron. Right. And someone else hit a three wood to get the two seven and he hit his driving iron or two iron. Yeah, or something yeah, exactly. like that. So, yeah. so yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, to me, it makes it wide open in that regard because there's not one fit here. Um, Cameron Young could play well here and you could get, I don't know who the shortest guy in the, in the field would be. I mean, you could maybe say Simpson Ches or Ches okay, Ches Reavy. I mean, yeah. I mean, if Ches Reavy hits fairways, he's going to have the same approaches and he's going to have a club more, you know, yeah. in the bag than Cameron Young. But if he hits the fairway, hits the greens and scrambles, he's going to be in the same ballpark. Um, so that's why I think, I think honestly for me, I'm going to take out off the tee stuff as a whole and really focus on the approach numbers and just say, you know, if and green regulation. So I'm going to use two two ideas here. Yep. One is if they've been hitting a lot of greens and regulations, specifically weighted, then they're driving it well enough. Their irons are are good enough. They're hitting more greens in the field. The second thing is. If I just focus on the irons, then they're going to do, I'm just going to assume that these players figure out a way to get it in the fairway yep. and have their, you know, 175, we'll call it into all these greens. And then it's just a matter of me picking out the best iron players from there. And I do think scrambling matters. We saw the you know, scrambling um, speed is like, yeah, I mean, year, yeah. speed for sure. But in general, because the greens are so small, I think the, the field average is around 60% and the, the top 10 is around 75%. So whether that's putting or scrambling, it, it goes either way. But I think I think people are going to look at off the tee and driving accuracy, which they need to do this week. But I don't think lead-in stats will show us that. So I'm going to really focus on approach. And weighted green regulation is a way for me to to weigh in that their off the tee has been good enough to still beat the field. Yeah, so let me ask you a question. Um, so you said 175 to 200 is probably our top. Like yeah, overall 150 to 200. Yeah. So let me just, you know, ask a question, and this is part of our mixed model, our FGV model here, so that we can kind of sort through these types of things. So Matt Wallace, right? He's the number one guy in terms of uh, strokes gain from 175 to 200, about 0.26. Uh, that, that's his number uh, first in the field. But then we go over to the weighted greens and regulation number, and it's negative 4% versus the field he's, fields he's played against. So how do you weight those two numbers? He's been great at a statistical average that we like this week, but about hitting greens, which might be more important than strokes gain specifically in that one category. Um, how do you weight that this week? You know, obviously you got a guy like Nick Hardy who seems to be doing both uh, very well. Maybe you go right to Hardy or, um, yeah. you know, individual case by case basis. I mean, I'll weigh them together. And then obviously it's, it's, I'm just trying to put preference on, certain stats. So like right now I have 30% for 150 to 175 and 175 to 200 co collectively. It's 15% evenly split and then 15% on greens and regulation. So yeah, it's Wallace is interesting. So it looks like he's had, and that could come down to sample size, but like to see a you're gaining over 0.2 in one category is, is, Pretty high. is yeah, really high. Yeah. I mean, exactly. You're, you know, on average, uh, you're gaining a decent amount. Yeah, and that's not spectrum data. That's just regular strokes gain. So usually, like with with spectrum, you'll see the numbers. Like if you just look through his approach numbers, they're back to you know just below. We'll just call it a nine k number average. You know yep. he's right in that ballpark of JT, some JM, 
Hatton, Lowry, et cetera. So, which is above his statistical average. Let's be, you know, let's be honest. Exactly. So years past, yeah, yeah, you've got to look at it as a bigger picture. Uh, obviously, he's been hitting those that by. I mean, even one fifty to one seventy five has been great. But yeah, the greener regulation number is concerning. I think it might be um, related to his driving accuracy number. So to me, he'd still be in the player pool because he's too cheap. But it's going to be a, you know, a, a total package. I mean, it's that would be literally a case by case basis because one seventy five to two hundred could be like he's hit eight shots there in the last couple of weeks, and some well, of those have not been sh- shot link. You know, we can't really look at shot link from like the match play or Corrales. Um, exactly. So right. greens and regulation does still count it. for Corrales. So. Yeah, the other thing about it too, Drew, is it's funny. Is, you know, we look at the driving accuracy number, right? And let's just take Wallace for example. Yeah. If Wallace, if Wallace throws one fifty yards off the fairway, and let's just say he's one ninety from the primary rough, let's say he puts it to twenty eight feet, okay, just mm-hmm. off the green though. Let's say it's fringe fairway, so it's not considered green regulation. He's actually gaining quite a bit of strokes on the approach, given where he was uh, in the distance wise to the green. So for sure, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like his sometimes bad off the tee can yield to an artificially good strokes gained on the approach number. Absolutely. Um, you know, absolutely. Again, just taking that one step further. Well, now, I think when we go yeah, to just, like Gary Woodland, for example, who looks like driving distance good, he's hitting fairways more against the field he's playing against. His greens and regulation number looks pretty good and looks good from this range. Seems like an interesting play this week. He does. Um, one, one quick thing that I'll just kind of wrap a bow around like the approach yeah. conversation. Cause you're spot on. Like he hits a bad tee shot and he hits it in a fairway bunker in the rough. He's going to get a different baseline than the fairway from that distance. And if he hits, you know, a marginally better shot than, you know, everyone else from the fairway, he's going to gain exponentially more strokes. I mean, it could be like he gained 0.05 from the fairway, but because it was from the rough, now he gained 0.12. Yep. I'm just throwing out numbers. So no, no, I, I really love, I think I think with this day and age of people getting down in the weeds with stats, which we which we do, and you know, yeah, like the super data, that. yeah, yeah, yeah we do. I, I think I think there's a lot of value still in looking at strokes gain T to green because it incorporates that bad drive with the good approach and it nets it out. So, like in theory, if you hit a really bad drive and you're weighing approach really high, and he hits a good approach, now you're going to be like, yeah, his irons are great. Well, 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 they might be They might be because he's hit some bad drives, and you go look at his off-the-tee number, it's negative. That's why. So I love looking at tee to green. Um, I use it every single week because that is the best way for me to catch those outliers where if you just looked at approach, you'd be like, man, this guy, I mean, he must be holding out every shot. No, he's he hasn't hit a fairway in the last two months, <laughs> and he's still hitting greens because he's one of the better players in the world, and that's why you're going to be misled a bit. So – um, yep. just wanted to point that out. I, I, I think T to green is really honestly one of the best stats and we break it down now. Um, but it really, it really gives you a nice picture of where their game is at. So to your point on Woodland, I, I mean, it's gotta be a perfect fit for Woodland. Um, when you consider, you know, in, in the history of his, his game, he's played well in courses like Pebble beach. Yep. Um, I don't think Even he's played great in Valspar. Exactly, but he, he does so well. He does so well laying it back into certain certain distances. Yep, sure does. So uh, let's go over a couple of names. Um, first, maybe on specifically, I'll I'll just cover this right off uh, the top. Then we can get in more DFS specific plays. I have two bets this week. That's it, just two. 
on a normal week, you know, I'm I'm here throwing at you plenty of top twenties, forties, you know, parlays. I've I've talked about that. I love it. I have fun with it. Now that you know the state of Massachusetts has opened the door to everybody, it's allowed you know people like me who have a lot of friends there to be able to uh, you know contribute to the uh, betting ecosystem, if you will, because we can't here in Florida quite yet. Um, but nonetheless, I have Cam Young to win at twenty two to one. I really think it's time. Comparatively to Jordan Spieth, who's played, what, like seven or eight events since the start of the season, Kim Young has really only played in the elevated events. He hasn't played in any else, so he shouldn't be as fatigued as maybe, say, somebody like Spieth, who's played quite a bit outside of the elevated events. Um, and came third here last year. Throw on the top that his caddy has already had a winner here before. Clearly, his caddy knows the course well enough to help Webb Simpson win. And we know, right, that... Webb really relied on Tesori for a lot of stuff. So I think the stars are aligning. And the second one is the automatic bet here. It's hit four out of the last five years. It's Patrick Cantlay to top 10. I got a plus 170 number on it, and I'll take it because I think it's going to happen again. So, okay. Looks like uh, – I- No, no, I'm here. I'm here. What, who, who got Tesori? Who got Tesori? Uh, uh, Kim Young. Okay. Well, that was early in the year, right? No, it happened Fresh. like two weeks ago at the match play. Yeah. Okay. Not two weeks ago, like three weeks ago. Yeah. Remember there was a caddy change. I just couldn't remember who, who got him. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, that's that's why I think there, it's really tough to profile this course outside of just looking at um, into the greens and, and scrambling. I mean, Cameron Young, Jordan Spieth, Shane Lowry, Matt Kuchar, all those guys finished in the top three last year. Not one of them is the same player. Um, so, yeah, I think I would go back. I mean, Cameron Young's been playing so well. I would, yes. I wouldn't steer, I wouldn't steer clear of that. Um, I think the funny one though is is Corey Connors coming back to another course with great course history, like like Augusta, yeah. and he's the same price essentially as he was last week. Yeah, I think I'd have to go back to the well. Nine holes. I, I mean, he rinsed two he on, on thirteen, which ended ended this week, and he knew it. So I, I, I think we'll, I, I'm going to throw out, you know, basically thirteen to eighteen. But, you know, he burned us so many people last week. you got to think yeah. ownership's going to be a little bit lower, right? Uh, you would think, but people are sharp enough now. They're not as quick to just jump off. Um, I don't know. It's I don't know what – I have to check what we have on that. But, like, uh, here, I have it up right now. So, we have them at Corey Connors, 15%. So, <laughs> it's pretty spread out in this range. Between Corey Connors down to Ricky Fowler, I think all of them will get ten to fifteen percent, you know, closer to fifteen. So it's he's not going to be chalk like he was last week. I mean, he was forty percent in some contests, fifty percent in some contests. So yep, I just I just really like that opportunity to go right back. If I if I got rinsed on him last week, I'll go right back to him this week. Uh, it's just one of those. I feel like that's the type of player that would win this event um, if he threw his name up there. He's he's still one week removed from winning. Yeah, he's not like he's in bad form. He, like you said, he had one bad nine, which can happen around Augusta. Sure can. Uh, I got a couple of interesting names I want to talk about before maybe I get some of your favorites. This is for DFS side, really specifically, uh, because like I said, I'm only making two bets, and those are the two bets for me. Yep. Um, first name is Chris Kirk. When are we going to stop getting a return on this guy? <laughs> I mean, literally every week he gets it done. Last week. Uh, let's see. I think maybe he, I don't know that he got inside the top 20, 
but he had a ton of birdies, threw yeah, in an eagle. I mean, he just keeps getting it done. 7,500 this week. Is it going to happen again, or is, this, is the train going to stop? Yeah, it's just it's mixed course history a bit. Um, he had a good one so two years ago, T7, missed cut last year in 2019. So, Back, yeah. I mean, it's just he is playing better. Um, he had one blip a couple weeks ago. I forget what event that was. Um, I up. Where was he? He had Players' Championship. Yeah, so he had the great Florida swing. And then I think it was the Players' Championship miscut. T10 at Valero, T23 last week. So, yeah, I think you just you keep going back to the well with um, with Chris Kirk. You know, 7,500, he's obviously a, a pretty good value. But, like, this whole 7K range is pretty loaded. But, yeah, it's, it's he's got a lot of narrative going for him, right? I mean, this is straight and accurate as it gets. Yeah, he's going up against Ricky Fowler, who's playing great. Uh, before I get your take on Fowler, let me ask you about young kid. You, the, the model, he rates him at a 74%, which is top 15. Uh, Akshay Batia, the guy is here today. <laughs> um, we know that he gets himself into trouble off the tee. Maybe doesn't do that this week if he takes that four iron out on every hole. Um, 6,800, do you go back to the well here? Yeah, yeah. I would take a shot on him at that price. It's uh, it's kind of where it makes a lot of sense with the way the pricing is up top. So you you want to take some of these guys that are coming in with good form. And again, some of his events don't have any shot link. So we're we're kind of going blind and kind of basing it off of his recent form with a mix of what we do have, like at Valer at Valer Valspar. So I do like um Batia down there. He's one of my favorites. But there's like there's even down here is good. I mean, you go back to Davis Riley as another one. Um so I, I guess I guess the real question is down here is is how much course history are you weighing on this type of event? Because it does seem like guys play well here year after year. Uh, we've seen a lot of repeat winners. I think Furyk's won here twice. Um, yep. I mean, Kuchar's won here like three times. Caught, right? I mean, I don't know that he's won twice, but certainly Kuchar's been up there quite a bit. Now I think that's going to determine you know who and how many you play of golfers down at this price of the Batia range is how many stars you're going to play. Are you going to go right back to John Rahm after he had arguably the biggest one of his career? You know, I'd rather see him on Jimmy Fallon than here at the RBC this week. Um, Truthfully, that's why I said maybe they should go to Texas next year, then come back to the RBC. Like it's, you know, we're still in the same geographical region. It's not really that big of a deal. Well, they're going to change this from an elevated event, I think next year. So uh, from what I've heard, they rotated yeah. yeah. So they're not going to come back here yeah. for another um, couple of years, I assume. I, I don't know what the schedule is going to look like, but from what I understand is they're going to try to rotate it. So this is – they're trying so to fit it in. Um, I guess, you know, that the begs the question is, you know, are you going to go to Scotty Scheffler, who arguably looked the most irritated on a golf course? We've seen him since he turned pro. Um, you know, clearly he thinks this game is in great shape. And if you look at the tee to green numbers – by all stretch, it really is. You yeah. know, he had it, it, the worst putting week he could have ever imagined. Speed said he's fatigued. Can't lay favorite course. Morikawa said one of his favorite courses. So are you going to play, you know, all of these guys at a, at a decent clip? Are you going to fade any? Because, um, again, yeah. I think that's going to determine how many we play down below. Yeah, I think I think Spieth I'm going to be out on. I'll just take his word for it that he is. Yeah, take his word for it that he's not going to beat these other guys this week. Basically. Yeah, it's su- it sucks because he's going to be so low owned. It's like one of the great 
leverage spots, but I, I could really see him checking out. Like if you're already comment, I feel like he's pretty straightforward with his comments. And if he's already saying like, Hey, I'm, I should have taken a break and I need a break. Um, this is probably going to be a, a half in effort. So yeah, I, I think, I think you have to fade Rom. And honestly, I think Scheffler's price is so inhib- inhibitive of good lineup construction with the good field. Um, I'll probably be out on Scheffler as well. So if I started with anybody, it'd probably be Morikawa right at 10 K and then try to build, you know, a few guys between eight and nine K and then try to balance out the bottom. I just like, I, I think this is still like major pricing um, and balance builds tend to do very, very well. Yeah, so, totally agree. Yeah. Sorry there. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. You forgot I had pressed mute there for a second. I'm sitting here talking like, yeah, I mean, there's there's enough guys to cut in the 9K and 8K that I could take a stand against, but I do like almost everyone in the 9K and low 10s for a you know chance to win, which you'll need. But I think those top three guys um, are really just off limits. One because of pricing. I mean, and Rom coming off the win. Yeah, I, and then I Steve. It. So I just I'll just go I'll just go down low and try to build a little bit more balance. And like I said, in the 7Ks, yeah. it's loaded. You don't even have to go down to Patia. You can right. just Literally, literally, the seven Ks, eight Ks, and nines. Why I wanted to bring that exact thing up. You know, we've seen Speed play the most outside of elevated events of anybody this year. No, no, you know, you can see why he'd be fatigued. It has been a lot of golf. Do I think he could still make the cut? I don't think he's going to win this week because um, I, I think that he's kind of already suggested that he doesn't feel good enough to do so. Um, well, know, this well, is. I'll just bring this up because I, yeah. I I really enjoyed this. Um, so there's a so Wesley Bryan has a YouTube channel, him and his brother, and yep. he did inside the ropes the last couple of years at this course. Yep. And he's and like I think his opening round was like 71, but if you watch that round, every single hole is like you're you're clinching because you're you hitting think, <laughs> you're hitting yeah, it into trees. Not, you're in the native area. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think honestly this course can be exhausting, and Spieth is playing great. And yeah. he could just be one of those guys that gets it around and, you Let's know, doesn't even try and gets it around. But it, it could be if he starts hitting it a little, yeah, a little bit behind the eight ball, um, he could just get mentally out. Let's take a couple of guys on the other side of, of the fatigue. Maybe, you know, they hadn't played that much coming into the Masters and performed pretty well. That could be a good fit here this week. Uh, we're talking up top. Three names that I definitely am, am mixing in and love in the balance build category. Xander Schauffele, uh, not not as much Max Homa as Xander, but then I go down to Tom Kim. I think this is a great course for Tom Kim. I think yep. I saw a decent amount last week. Hasn't been playing his best recently. And then I'll go down to the 8K. I'm going to ride the Thagala train for a quite a long time. Uh, not going to lie to you. Uh, I, I, the, the dude is just electric. Um, I, I think that with his shot-making ability, he's got a lot of speed in him. That chip uh, kind of just solidified it for me. At 8K or around 8K, I'm, I'm going to play this guy, uh, and that'll be again here this week. Yeah, yeah, I have no issues with that. Again, I think it's just it's, it gets wide open, and it's really just approach numbers. And as long as these guys are checking boxes, um, I'm going to trust that they'll find a way to get, you know, have their best chance to hit the fairway. So um, no issue with the goal. I think Hoagie's really interesting at 7,400. Continues to play pretty well. Um I don't know if you want to talk through a specific a specific range here, but like, well, I mean, Woodland off of last week has got to be 
one of the more popular plays. Wyndham yeah. Clark, we've been playing <laughs> a lot of. Playing with Brooks, though, for a couple of days, and they're literally the same player when they're playing well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, they're the same person to me when they're playing well. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not surprised that Brooks, you know, gave him the five iron number. Like, that was a thing. Like, that was not, you guys literally did that. Lie about it or not, I don't care, John Rom won, so it doesn't bother me. If Brooks had won by two, and I have a different take right now, probably not going to lie. Yeah. But if if Gary's in form at seventy five hundred, just like Brooks of last week at seventy eight hundred, you got to play. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's perfect. Like I mean, I could just some of the ones that really stand out as like as as rougher plays, um, like Sam Burns. I'm not going to at eighty seven hundred. I struggle with that. Me too. Um, yep. Fleetwood Fleetwood yep. has some mixed course history, but he, I don't think he's as sharp as we remember him to be. We'd rather play Lowry if we're doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Give me Lowry. I think Lowry's gonna be a core play for sure. Um, Tom Kim, like you said, Sung JM, love that spot around here for him. And then Max Home is way too cheap as well. Um, yeah, for how he's been playing this year, I agree. He yeah. just, again, let us down in a major last week. He even let himself down. You know, he came out. He's the first to call himself out on Twitter. Uh, Adam Scott's putter is broken again. I'm not playing him. I just, you know, as we go down the list here. But how about Minwoo Lee? He let us down big last week. Uh, maybe not you, but let me down. Yeah. Are you going back to him, or would you rather play Hoagie, who also missed the cut? Yeah, I mean, I think both are fine. Um Keith Mitchell came in last. I, I suspect this is not a great course for him, even though he lives, you know, maybe 20 minutes away by boat. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't made up my mind on, on Mitchell again, like off the tee, it's, it's just not a, it's not a course that would set up well for him. So it really boils down to how his irons are. And it's um, not great right now looking across the board on our model. And I would say if I had to be really picky, um, and I think this makes sense with, with, any sport as pricing goes down, but like, as I go down, I'll be less strict on their, you know, proximities for those specific buckets and just look at their greener regulation numbers for, for the cheap guys. So, I mean, like the guys that stand out really quick are uh, Luke list is cheap. <laughs> Nate Lashley is cheap. Yep. Um, when you look at greener regulation, again, they've played some weaker fields, Aaron Rye seven K. I mean, yeah, he's yeah, going to well, be a I'm core not. play. Yep. So, so those are, I, I would kind of view it in different buckets for those cheap guys. Like give me the broader scope for green regulation. Um, we use weighted green regulation for fantasy golf bag. So look at that for the cheaper guys. And then as you go up, you can be a little bit more strict on, in my opinion, at least for the pricing is saying like, Hey, um, you know, Tony Finau's irons have not been as good from this range as Cameron Young or Xander Shoffley, for example. So I start to view it a little bit differently based on the pricing too. Yep, uh, I'm with you there. Okay, so I think that'll wrap up our pod here for this week. We're a little over our time, like I said. Normally, because, again, I wanted to talk a little bit about my experience at the Masters. Uh, so thank you all for listening in and letting me do that. Uh, as we do, we close out every pod with who we think is going to win the event. I kind of gave mine away. I believe it is Cam Young's time. Every sign is pointing in that right direction. He even made himself a part of the mix last week. So I think he carries that momentum. I think he gets it done here, 22 to one. That's where I'm putting my eggs. Drew, how about you? Oh man, I'll probably go down to Lowry at 30 to one. I just, okay. I just love the style around this golf course. He's done well here in the past. Here, right? 
chipped it chipped it into the water on uh, 15 or something like that, 14, something like that. Yeah, I mean, he's had he's had a really good run. He's got two yeah. um, T3s in his last four years and a ninth two years ago. So um, I just I think if you figure out a way to play this golf course, you can come back here year after year, assuming your game's in decent form. And I like I like where Lowry's game is at. And uh, he's obviously figured out a, a game plan for this place. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, Zurich Classic next week. I've uh, got some great Rainmaker content on that. Check it out at LuckyTrader.com. I've got a couple of things going on over there. Uh, if you guys didn't see my announcement, I've joined uh, that team. Really excited. Going to be building out some first-in-class amazing tools uh, to help with that game, help get everybody in. Uh, it's it's a ton of fun, so check it out. And, Drew, you'll be on the show tonight over at Run Pierre. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Yep, 9 p.m. We'll do our uh, their premium show with uh, Big T and JSU to kind of give our final thoughts on the field and uh, our approach. They they go through every single tier, so if you're really trying to build out a pool, that's yeah. a good spot to listen. Yeah, sure is. Well, uh, tune in then. Uh, good luck this week, everybody. We'll see you next week for the team event, Zurich. Until then, cheers.